0: Blob Talk Radio.
1: Oh, yeah. Bless him. Bless
2: him. I've got a wonderful, I mean absolutely wonderful, holy ghost filled, a prize for you. I mean, this person is absolutely revolutionized gospel music today, and he's much younger than I am, but I call him my hero. Would you get up on your feet and clap your hands tonight for the Reverend
1: Kirk Franklin! We're living in a day and time where being politically correct is popular. Can we turn that around again? We're living in a day and time where everybody is saying the name of God, but nobody wants to
3: say the name. We don't want to offend the Muslims. We don't want to offend the
4: Jews. We don't want to offend the Arabs. And so
2: therefore we crucify him of flesh.
1: But I want you to know that there will come a time when every Muslim, when every Buddhist, when every Jew, will have to get down on their knees and have to confess that the name must keep. Every knee shall die. So I want every blood-washed believer to not wait until then. And if you've ever gone through something, you know right here that there's something about the name. Something about the name, something about the name, something about the name, it's the sweetest name. Yeah. It is the sweetest name, sweetest name I know, and I love that name. Oh, how I love that name! Oh, how I love that name! It's the sweetest
5: name.
1: It
2: is the sweetest name. Yeah. Just take a minute and explain to them what you
5: really, really trying to say.
1: What you really trying to say. Some people,
5: some people
1: say I'm pretty, but I can't explain. I can't explain. I the power, the power. And the... Oh, we going to have church anyhow. you, but I called on
2: eternal life God we pray oh God today that you will touch every person that have come seeking you Lord bind the hand of the devil God rebuke the hand of the enemy Lord God let your anointing that resonates in this place even now God let there be an outpouring on your people we need you God to take us to another level in you Lord God we're faced with demonic forces God Evil spirits have come up against us, Lord, and we need to be fortified with your power. thank you, God, because we know greater are you that's within us uh, than he that is within this world, God. Uh, We know, God, that you are a deliverer, Lord. Uh, That you're the same yesterday, today, and forever. Uh, And you're no short of your promise, Lord. Uh, And you're able to deliver us, Lord. Uh, Touch us on today, Lord. Uh, We need you like never before. Uh, Fill us up with the Holy Ghost, God. Uh, And give us a refill, Lord. Uh, That when we leave here today, Lord uh, we can leave with your anointing Lord uh, that as we meet men and women boys and girls uh, they might be converted to know who you are Lord uh, in the mighty name of Jesus we pray uh, we thank you because you are a healer uh, you're the God that heals these uh, and healing is in your wings uh, and you're able to touch our feeble bodies uh, you're able to save our troubled souls uh, and in the name of Jesus uh, bind every demon Lord uh, every demonic force Lord uh, God, that comes to keep us in the same place, Lord. We're willing, God, to surrender and say yes to your will, Lord. We're willing to turn our lives, God, over into your hands, Lord. Because we come to the place, God, where we realize like never before, we need you, Jesus. More than anything we know, we need you, Jesus. While men are trying to find, God, solutions to this chaotic world, God, we're looking to you. Lord, because we know for every right desire, there is an answer, and Jesus, sure that answer. There's no need for us, God, to turn hither or thither, Lord. We need but to look for you, Lord, because you're the answer, God, for our trouble lies, Lord. Touch on the day, God. Break every yoke, oh God. Save on the day, God. Deliver on the day, God. Jesus, we need you, Lord. We need you, Jesus. We need you, Jesus. We're crying out to you, Lord. We know that you're able to save our souls. We know that you're able, God, to heal our bodies, Jesus. We know that you're able, God, to turn our situations around. Jesus, no other help we know. No other help we know. No other help we know, God. You're able, Jesus, to deliver our children. You're able, Jesus, to save the unsaved husband uh, you're able Jesus uh, to heal the cancer patient uh, nothing too hard uh, for you Jesus know uh, that God we know uh, we know that you're able Jesus uh, we know that you're able Jesus uh, we say yes to your will God uh, yes to your way Lord uh, have your way Jesus uh, and we'll thank you for it uh, and we'll give your name the praise uh, and we'll bless you Lord uh, yes we thank you Lord uh, and we bless your holy name Come on, open your mouth and give the Lord some praise.
6: Bruce Van Natta loved trucks, and his job as a self-employed diesel mechanic helped this Christian family man live out his power truck dreams and provide for his wife and four children. He never gave a second thought to the dangers of working on engines that weighed thousands of pounds until November 16, 2006.
7: I was working on a Peterbilt logging truck about an hour from our home and the guy that I was working with that day, the driver of the truck asked me if I would look and try and diagnose one more problem, one more leak before I left. So if you can picture one of these great big Peterbilt trucks, here's the front bumper and I slipped underneath that great big chrome bumper feet first and he had had the front axle jacked up in the air and the passenger side wheel removed. The axle is going right across my chest at this point, maybe an inch or two above my chest. Then just as Bruce slipped under the truck, the 20-ton capacity jack holding up the truck shot out from its position. And this 10,000, 12,000 pounds of weight that is on these two front wheels on this axle came down across my midsection, basically like a blunt guillotine, and just crushed me in half. Blood had splattered the inside of my throat, the back of my throat when it fell. And I could see that there was less than an inch of airspace between the bottom of the axle and the cement so I knew that I was thinner than it my body was thinner than an inch the man jacked the truck up off of me I begged him to get me out from underneath the truck he didn't want to because he could tell that I had to have a broken back and I did um, my vertebrae and my back were cracked uh, the width of the axle it was the most incredible pain you can think of I've never felt any kind of pain like that the very next thing it is I just called out Lord help me I called out twice, Lord help me. Instantly, all of the pain left Bruce's body. At that point, my, I went unconscious. My spirit left my body, floated up into the ceiling. And now I'm, my spirit is looking down on the accident scene from above. The man I've been working with was on his knees above my body. He's talking. I can hear him talking. He's saying things like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. But on each side of him also on their knees was a huge angel their heads stuck up at least this much taller than his head so if you would have stood them up they would have had been like eight feet tall they did not have wings they were just very broad shoulders again between the two angels and him it took up the whole front of his truck there was a bright light shining around each one of them they were matching bookends they looked identical they just had their arms underneath the truck not holding the truck up but had their arms angled in towards my body. There was no pain. In fact, just peace, and I can't even describe, words can't describe the peace that I felt in the ceiling. Bruce knew he
6: had a serious choice to
7: make. I was definitely on the point, on the verge of life and death. There were two voices, thoughts in my head. One was, shut your eyes, give up and die, and you're just gonna go to heaven anyway. It was very loud. There was another voice in my head, thought, much quieter more of a whisper and that one said if you want to live you're going to have to fight and it's going to be a hard fight and next thing I knew my spirit went back down into my body like that just like a shot
6: Bruce was conscious as he was flown on a life flight to the hospital doctors there doubted he would even survive the next few hours His ribs were broken, his pancreas and spleen crushed, and several major arteries had been
7: severed. I had five major places, five places that major arteries were completely severed. I found out from uh, doctors that there was a medical study done in 2001. According to that study, by the University of Southern California, they've used my case and compared it against that study. And according to that, they can't find anyone else in the world that's ever lived with five major arteries being severed. So I should have bled to death in just a few minutes. So my thought is the angels were there to hold my somehow hold me together.
6: Bruce stayed in the hospital for over two months and survived five major surgeries, yet he had overwhelming obstacles to overcome. Almost 75% of his small intestines were crushed
7: in the accident and had to be removed. Adult has 18 to 20-some feet of small intestine, they say, roughly. Somebody came in and told us they didn't expect me to live much more than a year. I'm going to starve to death. I was losing weight very rapidly. They're feeding me intravenously.
6: Bruce's once 180-pound frame dropped to 126 pounds. But Bruce's family was praying, and his community rallied around him. Then Bruce received an unexpected visitor in his hospital room one day.
7: The Lord woke up a man in New York two days in a row, someone that I met one time on vacation. And he came and prayed for me in the hospital, put his palm on my forehead, and when he prayed, uh, he prayed the way Jesus taught us to pray, and he spoke to the mountain, in this case my intestine, and he said, small intestine, I command you to supernaturally grow back in length in the name of Jesus Christ. And when he did it felt like 220 volts came out of his palm, into my forehead, right into my body, and I could feel my intestines moving around and going up and down.
6: After a long nine months of surgeries and hospital stays, Bruce was eventually able to feed himself, and he gained weight all the way up to 170 pounds. When he returned for testing, radiology reports and doctors confirmed that he had almost nine feet
7: of small intestine. His intestines had doubled in length. When they test me, uh, they say that the intestines that the Lord gave me back were twice as good as normal. Even though I don't have my full amount, he gave me several feet back. Even though it's half as much, they absorb the vitamins, the minerals, the nutrients that I eat into my body normally over and over the Lord kept confounding the doctors from the from the point of them saying that I shouldn't have lived, I should have bled to death to my intestines miraculously, intestines miraculously coming back over and over uh, God was showing up miracles are happening my pancreas rejuvenated by itself, my spleen rejuvenated by itself miracle after miracle after miracle God just kept showing up and showing himself very real and strong that he is the miracle worker
6: today through their organization Sweetbread Ministries Bruce and his family travel together to talk about supernatural healing. Bruce has also written a book called Saved by Angels.
7: Miracle after miracle after miracle, it's exciting to just see what God is doing in people's lives today and that he is alive and well and he wants to reach people at their point of need and so we've got a God that loves us more than we can ever imagine and he pours out his love on us in such an amazing way that it's indescribable.
1: Where?
8: Where? I felt like Clear. I was fading away. Next thing I knew, Clear. off in of the distance, I saw white light.
9: Jim Anderson was dying from a massive heart attack. The only signs of trouble came a year earlier, but his doctor called the symptoms stress-related. Jim was working 12-hour days as a supervisor at a wastewater treatment plant, but this time Jim knew it was much more than stress.
8: I was uh, resting in my bedroom and all of a sudden I had a crushing pain in my chest and uh, the pain radiated down the arm, up the side of the neck, couldn't catch my breath, and I called to my daughter, I said, you're going to have to get me to the hospital, I'm not going to make it
9: a balloon catheter was inserted into his artery he was stabilized and placed on a heart transplant list but two days later Jim flatlined
8: I could see everyone rushing into the room I couldn't hear the alarms going off it's like I had gone underwater the the hearing had just, just faded away that's when I began to pray I knew I was dying it wasn't a scare praying it was earnest to take care of my family as I prayed it got darker to the point it went black next thing I knew off of this distance I saw white light it was beautiful just wasn't blinding, but pure perfect as I started to go towards the light I could see the outer edge of it begin to spiral I couldn't figure out what that was, but as I got closer, I could see it was the words, of prayers revolving. The words broke off, going into the light, and I followed into the light. The next thing I felt was being embraced, safe and secure. It felt wonderful. It felt like total love. Next thing I knew, I was looking down the room where my body was. I could see everyone working on me. I could hear what they were saying. There were two nurses outside of the room looking in. One said to the other, why are they working so hard? He's gone. If they do bring him back, he would be a vegetable. I later on told her what she said. She about passed out. (laughs) Then I thought to myself, where's Tabby? And instantly I was in the room where she was.
10: And I'd just gotten finished with that prayer. Uh, You know, he's yours, Lord. Because I knew that that was the only way he was coming back to us. God wanted. When she did that, Your,
8: I was in writing on her face. When I saw her face, I saw every aspect of our life together. From the first day we met, our marriage, the birth of our children, all the emotions we've shared.
5: I couldn't
8: leave her. I just couldn't leave her. And I cry out to the Lord. I said, Lord, I love you so much, but please let me get back. My wife needs me. My children need me so, so much. Please let me get back.
9: The doctors and nurses didn't give up. They shocked Jim so many times that the flesh on his chest was burned. Then the doctors heard a heartbeat.
8: They came back to a world of pain. He shocked me so many times. It's like coming back out of the water. Just, just my hearing came back. I could hear them telling me, "I can't believe it. he's back. He's back." I said, "Can you hear me?" And I took that first breath on my own. Have you ever tasted honeysuckle? That's exactly what that first breath tasted like. It was so sweet, so wonderful. And I just thank the Lord.
9: Jim was alive, but his heart still wasn't functioning properly.
10: They put him into a a coma, a medical medical coma, and uh, to allow his body to heal. So I wasn't able to talk to him for days.
9: Jim spent the next 17 days in intensive care. He flatlined several more times, and each time Jesus asked him a question.
8: The subsequent times that I arrested and would go towards the light, he would ask, are you sure this is what you want? And each time I would ask to come back.
9: Jim woke up from his medical-induced coma. His heart increased in function from 5% to 30%. He no longer needed a heart transplant.
10: It was a long process, but basically it was uh, good to hear his voice again, (laughs) very good to hear his voice again.
9: His doctor implanted a pacemaker in his chest. Just a couple of days later, Jim was able to make it home in time for his daughter's graduation. One doctor told Jim he only had a year to live. That was over seven years ago.
10: It's brought us closer together, so much closer together. Um, We talk about things now. And it's whatever needs to be done for the day, it's done. You know, we don't, don't focus on things that are trivial.
9: Jim knows that every day he has with his family is a blessing from Jesus Christ.
8: I try to witness to at least one person a day. To let them know this isn't about me. It's about their life to know that he is there for them he loves them how old are you today mm-hmm. and what is your name mm-hmm.
11: and where
12: do you live Who's your, your
13: mommy?
12: Mommy.
13: Who's your daddy? Daddy. Who's your sister? Daddy.
9: That was ten years ago. Looking at Colton now, you would have never guessed that he almost died in 2003. His father Todd tells about Colton's near-death experience in
14: the book, Heaven Is for Real. And he started throwing up into the toilet, you know, and. Uh, at first, we're like, okay, he's got the stomach flu, because the doctor said it was going around.
9: Colton's condition only got worse as days passed. His doctor discovered his appendix had burst, and infection was spreading in his body. Time was running out.
14: And we knew we were in bad shape when they, they say, well, you need to come out to the hallway. They separated us from everyone else, and then someone came to us and started talking to us that, that we got to have surgery on your kid.
12: It was tough. Um, senior boy be lifeless when he was a very vibrant child.
14: And it was at that moment that we were looking at each other. I remember my wife holding Colton in that hallway, just us. You're not even moving. We went to the surgery prep area and I remember them hauling him away and him just yelling at me, Daddy don't let him take me, Daddy don't let him take me. And I went back to the, uh, uh, the pre-op room where we had left some stuff and, I was finally alone, shut the door, and I just broke down, and I was mad at God. I just was frustrated, fed up. And I remember telling him, I said, God, after all I've done for you, and now you're going to take my kid? This is how you treat your pastors?
12: And I was calling our prayer chain. I was calling anybody that would be on the other line to get Colton on the prayer chain because it was bad.
14: We were there in the waiting room for an hour and a half, maybe, Then I remember the nurse coming out, is Colton's daddy out here? I'm like, yeah, well, Colton's in recovery and he's screaming for you. And I'm sitting there with him. I remember my son in that room then looking up at me and goes, Dad, do you know I almost died? And my first thought was, maybe overheard the nurse say that or maybe they thought he was under anesthesia, you know, and and he wasn't. But it wasn't until four months after we got out of the hospital that we finally listened to our son.
15: And that's where I got to see heaven. No, Jesus and some angels came and flew me up to heaven.
14: And I said, so Colton, what did Jesus look like?
15: I knew that the first person I saw was Jesus. He was wearing white robes with a purple sash. And he just came down nicely and gracefully.
14: Well, Dad, Jesus has markers. Dad, Jesus has markers. I didn't know what he meant. So I finally asked the right question, Colton, where are Jesus' markers? And he drops his toys down he stands up and he just points, Dad, they were right here. He takes his fingers, points to the palms, then he bends over and touches the tops of his feet and looks up to me. That's where Jesus' markers were, Dad.
15: When I was in the throne room of God to start with, so I got to see what that looked like. I was upset because I didn't know what was happening. What God did is he used people that, people or things that I liked to calm me down. From there on, I felt better.
14: Then one day we're traveling together and he looks up at me and, Dad, you used to have a grandpa named Pop, didn't you? I'm like, yeah, he's really nice. Really? Yeah, you used to play with him as a kid and fix, work with him on the farm and, and shoot stuff with him. I'm like, yeah, how do you know that? Well, he told me.
15: A uh, figure came up and he was pop he asked me are you todd's son i said yes he said that he was his grandpa so that's where i met him
14: yeah pop uh, i was very close to him and he was my most significant male role model when i was a kid growing up a kid but he was killed in a car wreck before i turned seven
12: um i was busy paying bills again because um, that's uh, my job and he came up and told me he had two sisters Well, he had to say it several times before he finally got my attention. And finally, I put myself down and looked at him and said, What do you mean you have two sisters? No, I have two sisters. You had a baby dying in your tummy. And I just looked at him like, Well, how do you know you have two sisters? Well, she told me. And then he proceeded
15: to describe her. She looked like Cassie, but she had brown hair. And first time when she saw me, she just came up and hugged me. this was true because he said she kept hugging me. She wouldn't stop hugging me, Mom, and I didn't like that. Well,
12: I'm not really the hugging type. I miscarried the weekend of Father's Day weekend, which made it even rougher. And we thought we'd dealt with it. We got over, we accepted that. The baby had died, but when he said he had two sisters, I was, I think I was in shock first and then trying to realize, what is he telling me? And so I knew that he had seen her and after he described her, and he says, she's, she's just waiting for you guys to come to heaven. You
14: know, as we talked about heaven and he was telling me all these wonderful details, I just felt like I had to ask him, did he want to come back?
15: I knew that I was leaving heaven because Jesus came to me and said, Colton, you need to go back. Even though I didn't want to go back, he said that he was answering my dad's prayer.
14: And I remember that prayer that irreverent, that disrespectful, screaming-at-God prayer. <laughs> I was like, you answering that prayer?
9: Today, Colton is a healthy 13-year-old and shares his heavenly journey with boldness.
15: I learned that heaven is for real and you're gonna like it.
16: I was convinced
15: that there was no
16: way to live a completely happy life. And if I couldn't live happy, I didn't want to live at all it began with a divorce a broken home and i believe that through that my mentality began to form and began to develop a sense of rejection because i didn't understand i was a small child and didn't understand adult things and so i i felt the breakup was all about me that sense of rejection just really grew i began to perceive myself as a burden to other people and so, I would take little bitty comments that were relatively insignificant. I would make it into a really big deal. Those little seeds in my life, I began meditating on over and over, and as I grew, the rejection began to grow. What is wrong with me? And so, I believed that the only answer for me was to in my life. I walked um, to my mother's room thinking I don't want anyone to see me because I'm so determined to end my life, to end the void, to end the suffering, to end the loneliness, that nothing was going to stop me. I began crying out and I began screaming out to God, God, forgive me. And the gun went off. My lungs began to fill up with blood, my ears, I began to become deaf, very slowly, faintly become deaf. My eyes became blind. My eyes were open and I became blinded, and I knew that death was gripping my soul. And then all of a sudden, I felt myself, my soul, leave my body, and I instantly began falling and falling. And at that moment, I knew I was no longer in control of my destiny and I ended up in a place that was complete torment and my body was burning. I no longer was lonely. I was no longer depressed. I became depression. I became loneliness. I became a tormented being of fear and as I began looking out and I saw all of these other people and everybody was screaming in pain, the the mutual thing that everyone shared there was their desire to scream out to everybody on earth, do not come here. Acknowledge that life is about Jesus Christ eternity is real, and hell is real, and heaven is real, and how you live your life will determine where you go." And everybody cried out that their loved ones would hear the truth. I saw the hand of God literally come down. And at that moment, I knew that He was coming for me, and His hand picked me up, and instantaneously I was no longer a being of tormented sin. I now was a being being cleansed, and God took me over the heavens. It was beyond peaceful and gorgeous and magnificent, however I was not allowed to stay, and I was certainly not allowed to see anything specific, but I was able to feel His presence in His entirety. I was able to feel perfect serenity. I was able to feel joy for the first time, complete, whole joy. And this hand just began to bring me back into the universe. And I saw myself coming back to my home and went through the ceiling. And the hand just went and placed me gently back into my physical body. And he went up. And I opened my eyes and I saw him go up. And instantly, i knew at that moment god loved me i called out on his name and i asked for him to forgive me and he did and at that moment i was given a spiritual strength that i had never known i was given joy that i had never had i was given peace that i knew would take me through what i was about to face the bullet had missed my heart um by less than a fourth an in inch. i mean just you know by millimeters there and has explained that you know the pressure of a 38 caliber gun should have exploded my heart and they didn't understand that there was nothing wrong with me they broke a few of my ribs and that was all when you leave this earth you are going to do one or two things either you are going to be transformed into a being of sin and torment or you are going to be transformed into a being of light and love and joy And it is a personal responsibility who and what you are going to be transformed into. And I had to learn how to take on the responsibility and quit blaming others for my mental and emotional condition. Now I'm full of joy. Now I am full of peace. I am who God says I am. I am loved. I am adopted into the kingdom of Christ. You know, God sees me that I am his child and all that he has is mine. I just have to be able to receive it. And I have to be able to recognize and replace my junk with His greatness. As long as I stand on the promises of God and I allow His presence in my life, I can conquer anything and I can go through my problems with peaceful sleep. I can go with them with joy and strength beyond all comprehension. And I can come out on the other side full of hope and a victory in Christ. I'm
0: ashamed to be a woman. God made a mistake to create me a woman. I wanted to be a
17: man. Amy Gazelle grew up in Syria, born to a Muslim family. Her parents and religious leaders taught her women had little value. Many times I've been beaten up for asking questions.
0: Why I am created unclean woman? Why uh, that God create me less intelligent and I, uh, men has dominion over me?
17: According to her family's beliefs, A woman had no guarantee where she'd spend eternity, even if she lived a good life. There is no grace
0: in in Islam faith. So a lot of women in that culture, they do their best to be a good woman, but they're deep in their heart. They are desperate for God that he may accept them and, and allow them to go to heaven.
17: Amy was never at peace with Islam.
0: I read the Quran and I feel like an evil spirit or someone
17: has his hand on my, my neck and shocking me. At 18, Amy and her family moved from Syria to Egypt. There, she openly renounced Islam.
0: I stopped praying, I stopped fasting, I stopped, uh, you know, uh, be involved in any uh, sort of, of uh, ceremony or any sort of, of religion practice.
17: Amy learned English in college and took a job with a travel agency. While on business in the United States, she met and married an American Muslim doctor, but her husband began abusing her six months into their marriage. Even he wasn't a religious man,
0: but he has the mentality of Muhammad, controlling woman, and I've been verbally many times very, very, very bad
17: abused. After almost three years of marriage, Amy and her husband divorced.
0: I felt like failure because I failed in everything I have done. I lost myself totally. I didn't know why I'm living here,
17: and why should I live? Why should I continue to live? On top of that, she was plagued with the Islamic idea of hell.
0: I feel like I'm gonna die, and uh, God's gonna send his angel to torch me, to torment me in the grave. I could not sleep, and Nobody wants to befriend me because my face looks so miserable, bitterness, uh, resentment in my heart against anybody. And I became feeling I'm a victim of everybody.
17: And I was, I felt like if I have the courage to kill myself, I would do it. When one of Amy's coworkers invited her to church, she agreed to go. But she couldn't believe that Jesus was God was
0: so confusing to me. He is God, he is the Son of God, and he's man also in the same time. And I said, God, I'm not gonna be deceived again. And if Jesus is truly, He's your son, and he is God, and he is the Son of God, and he died on the cross for me to be forgiven, you must prove it to me.
17: A few months later, Amy became very ill with gallstones. As she lay in the hospital waiting for surgery, she called out to Jesus. Jesus,
0: I know you. you have healed a lot of people in the past, and would you please come and heal me if you are true? I am broken financially, I am alone, I don't have family to take care of me, and I cannot just survive during this situation alone. After I finished my asking and my request of Jesus. The room was full of light. And out of that light, Jesus came to me in real human body. And he stretched out his hands, and he was close to me, standing by my bed. And he said, Come to me, who are weary and carry heavy burden.
17: I will give you rest. The words she heard in that hospital room were the same that Jesus had spoken in Matthew 11 but Amy had never read these verses. I saw the nails in his wrist.
0: That's the way they describe it to me that he died on the cross. And he, he truly, when he appeared to me, there is no one will deny him that he is not God. I felt like I am so dirty and so full of sin. And he is holy, he is righteous, He's beautiful.
17: Doctors ran a scan to check Amy's gallstones again before surgery. They couldn't find any. I am healed because Jesus healed me. The result of the
0: of the test came negative. There is no stone, there is no infection, and they test me physically and they let me go. Amy started reading the Bible and
17: went back to church with her friend.
0: So it was in here, here in my heart. It just, the, the that I need to make commitment and declaration that I am a Christian and I'm going to follow Christ. And I felt like something has been changed in my life. You know, you feel like your life has been completely changed. You feel like you are new. You are renewed. And that's how I felt.
17: Amy was baptized. And her relationship with Christ freed her from the lies she learned as a child.
0: It's given me eternal life, that guarantee I am for God, I am set free. I am a new creation in Christ Jesus, not the woman that I've been created less intelligence and have dominion over me by men. There is no dominion over me anymore. I have the power of God Almighty to walk every day in life. I'm not going to go to hell. Hell is not for me anymore, that's out of my life. And I totally live in the light. And I know I'm going to be for eternal life with Jesus.
18: I couldn't catch my breath. It was getting shallower and shallower. And I can remember saying to myself, I am dying. And then his blood pressure dropped.
19: And I looked at the doctor and I said, what's wrong with him? His heart stopped and he says, well, we need to intubate your husband right now or else he could die.
6: And then we start doing the chest compressions. Dean Braxton's system was shutting down. It started as a routine procedure to remove a kidney stone. Now he was dying. Dr. Manuel Irrigui was on duty in the critical care unit at St. Francis Hospital in Federal Way, Washington. He explains what went wrong. As it turns out, with, with him, the antibiotic that he received was uh, not good for the bacteria. It was resistant. Dean's body went into multi-organ failure, and his heart flatlined. Dr. Irrigi's team worked furiously to revive him. Dean's wife, Marilyn, prayed.
19: I did say to the Lord, I said, Lord, you said in your word that you've come to give Dean life in life abundantly and i claim that abundant life for him at
6: times the unit was in chaos as they worked to save dean's life but he was experiencing something very different
5: i wasn't afraid
18: it was like i'm going
5: home
6: Dean believes he went to heaven.
18: When I first entered in, it was just bright. It wasn't so much what I saw as much as what I experienced. The first thing I perceived was, everything is right. There's nothing wrong here. And I said, it's past peace. You know, there's a scripture in the Bible in Philippians, the fourth chapter that says, peace, past understanding. That's what's going on there. It's landscape but more because everything's alive. Nothing's dead. I don't mean just live like grass. I mean it's intelligent. It can move. You know, it thinks. And someone says, well, that's way out there. It was way out there for me. You know, I'll tell you the truth.
6: Dean says he felt like he was being pulled back into his body. Then he flatlined a second time. Again, he was in heaven. This time, he saw Jesus.
18: The first thing that comes to me is he's bright, just like John says, he's brighter than the noonday sun. And the next phrase I say, I wish people could grab it. And it's this one and we could look at him. And what you're looking at is not so much the physical part of it. You're really experiencing the love he has for you. And I tell people it's, it's like he only loves you and no one else. I saw him communicating to angels. He would just look at them. Communication there was thought to thought. They would acknowledge his receiving his information, bow before him like this, and then back out. And it was like, wow. Dean admits he didn't want to come back. And I don't tell you the truth. I was happy. I was planning on staying, you know. And people always say, yeah, you know, didn't you love your wife and your children? Yes, I loved them probably more than I ever could. But I was thinking, you come here. You come here where everything is right. Then Dean
6: saw family he hadn't seen in a long time.
18: And yet, on the other side of Jesus was my family, my grandmother Mary, but with her were other relatives. And some I had recognized. I had been on this planet when they were here. But then there was generation after generation after generation after generation of those that accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior that helped to produce me on this planet. They came to greet me in. And it was like, God.
6: While Dean was in heaven, Marilyn continued asking God for a miracle.
19: I purposed in my heart that whatever the outcome, I was going to follow God all the way.
6: After an hour and 45 minutes, Dean came back with a weak but steady heart rate. But the bacteria had done a lot of damage and he had to go on dialysis. I did not think he was going to survive. I, and I, In a way, I, I told his wife, that, you know, now well, we have just to pray and, and wait because there's nothing else I can do.
19: I believe in healing. I believe that God is a healer. And uh, I was trusting God for Dean's healing.
6: Three days later, Dean woke up.
19: He was so eager. We got to get people saved. We got to let people know about Jesus.
6: Despite doctors' concerns that Dean's prolonged ordeal would leave him impaired or even worse, there are no signs that Dean even had a brush with death. He's the picture of health. In fact, the staff at St. Francis Hospital dubbed him the miracle man. It's a miracle that he's alive. There is no question about it. It is a miracle. He's alive, that he's talking, that he has no brain damage. Uh, But but this this is very exceptional because he was really, really dead for, for a long time. So what does a man do who's experienced heaven and still wants to be there. Dean says Jesus told him something that keeps his feet firmly planted.
18: I felt like he was saying, I need you there, or did I need you here? And I came to understand then how important it was for me to complete what God had put me on this planet to do. The bottom line is, until I'm finished here, you know, and, and I cannot go back home, I tell people most of the time, I'm on my way home don't get me wrong i'm on my way home this is the pathway my father says i have to go to get home
4: well this next guest never floated through a tunnel he never saw a blinding light the instant don piper died he went straight to heaven's gate and 90 minutes later he came back
6: don piper was killed instantly when a tractor trailer hit his ford escort head-on crushing the small car. Paramedics covered Don's mangled body with a tarp. Then, Dick Onaker, a minister, stopped and asked the paramedics if he could pray for Don.
4: I walked over by the door, great physical damage on the outside, and I laid my hands on him and began to pray for him.
6: As he knelt over the body, a sound came from beneath the tarp. After spending 90 minutes in heaven,
4: Don had returned to life. Well, please welcome back a very interesting guest. His name is Don Piper. He's written a book called "90 Minutes in Heaven," and uh, it's good to see you, Don. It's welcome. good to be here. Good to be anywhere. Yeah, to be breathing, huh? Yes, absolutely. You were dead for
20: 90 minutes. What happened? I was. I was on my way to church to lead a Bible study uh-huh. on a Wednesday, and uh, crossing a bridge in the middle of nowhere, rural bridge, an 18-wheeler crossed the center stripe and literally ran over my car, just crushed it with me in it, and, uh, and
4: died. I was killed
20: instantly. Instantly. Just, uh,
4: instantly.
20: it was, you know, 100 miles an hour of impact, so uh, there was no tunnel. I was just there. One, one second here, last breath here, first breath there, the gates of heaven.
4: That ain't a bad thing. No, it
20: was a really good thing. <laughs> I didn't really want to come back here. <laughs> All right. What's it like? What'd you see? It was uh, the most real thing that's ever happened to me. I... Uh, I was standing at a gate. Of course, the scripture tells us there's 12 of these gates. And Mm -hmm. I was at one. I was surrounded by people I had known and loved in life who preceded me in death. And uh, what a great reunion heaven is.
4: Well, You you saw family members?
20: Family members, teachers, uh, classmates that I'd gone to school with that had died uh, at a young age. Uh, My next door neighbor was there. Uh, a lot of people that I loved right. here and cared about here, but they, I probably wouldn't have expected some of these people to greet me at the gates. But they were there, and I think it's because they helped me get there. Okay. Yeah, God sent them out to greet me.
4: Well, all right. Tell me what—that's well, the gate. Now you got it inside. What was it like well, when you get actually, in? actually,
20: I'm going through layers of aroma, uh, uh, layers of uh, angels. Mm-hmm. They're all over the place. Uh, ministering to the people of God, bearing up the people of God. I went through music, uh, unlike any I've ever heard here. Probably thousands of songs at the same time, mm-hmm. and yet there was no chaos because they all fit together. They were all glorifying what God. Angels like, uh, some had wings, uh, mm-hmm. some didn't. Um, they were magnificently beautiful, and um, they um, they were bearing up people. They were surrounding me. Um, I guess the most amazing thing about was the sound of their wings. Mm. You can actually hear the flutter and the, kind of the holy whoosh of their wings. let
4: talk about the beggar Lazarus. And he was carried by the angels. Yes. Were they carrying yes, you? Yes, absolutely. Were you. Yeah, there was
20: one in the car with me. Um, yeah. When I actually came back 90 minutes later, I was holding the hand of, of an angel. Uh, that's the only thing that really sustained me during that time. So they were here, and they are here, and they were there uh, to greet me and to bear me up. So the angels are magnificent servants of God. We don't become angels, of course, when yeah, we go to heaven, right. but I was carried by the angels to heaven.
4: Uh, well, they, I hate to use the term subservient, but I mean the, the people of God are supposed to be uh, on top well, of them They you. are. Yeah, yeah.
20: You, I got the distinct impression that they were taking care of me, uh-huh. they were ministering to me, and they were the ones who delivered me to the very gate. So when I was there, I knew the re, the way I got there was by them bearing me up. Did, so Did you see Jesus? Did you see him? In the distance, as yeah. I approach the gate, I'm looking through, and there really is a golden street of course, uh, quite incredible, and structures that are more ornate than anything I've ever seen here inside the gates. Um, But in the distance, there's kind of a hill, a pinnacle, high and lifted up in the middle of the city. And at that point, I could see the Lord high and lifted up uh, there at the top, Uh, a brilliant light that... I couldn't have seen with earthly eyes, of course I didn't have earthly eyes, but you could see him. What I really wanted to do is run down that street and up that hill and just fall at his feet and say thank you for letting me be here. What did you do? What do, you, what do people do when they get there? Well, you know, there's uh, we'll dine at the Lord's table.
4: Yes. We'll,
20: we'll eat with him, uh, but we'll gain weight. Isn't that heavenly? <laughs> Uh, so we'll dine, we'll we'll sing together, we'll bless the Lord, we'll fellowship. I can imagine walking down that street of gold with Paul, or Peter. Uh, And just having a conversation with them, I I really think they'll be as glad to see us as we are to see them. There's great fellowship in the Spirit. Uh, Not only is there praising God, but there's the fellowship of the saints that are gathered together. It's just the most exciting place I've ever seen. I I, I can't imagine a place more exciting than him. Very active.
4: No tears, no sorrow. No No pain. No pain.
20: No, yeah no, I want no to be pain. in a place there's no pain no pain and no what about age There was no age no age no they were they were ageless They were all fully developed humans yes. i wouldn 't say adult because that 's an earth word yes you know we have stages of life there are no stages of life in heaven we were fully developed. You know, Adam and Eve were never right. children. So I think that's the way God created us to have a relationship with him because that's what heaven is all about. So they were they were ageless. The people I had known here that were young in chronological age didn't look that young there. And the people who were old here didn't look old either. They were ageless. Well, what about time? There was no concept of time. No time. No, I was killed at 11.45 a.m. and I arrived back here at 1.15 p.m uh... so that's ninety minutes in earth time but in heaven it is timeless there's no concept of time i could have been there for ninety years or ninety mm-hmm. seconds okay. you just don't there's it's linear it's propelled forward but there's no elapse of time because so, well, it's you an didn't eternal want to come back did you Oh, not at all well, no why'd you, why'd
4: you come back did You well, well,
20: uh, people were praying that i would <laughs> well that's nice yeah. <laughs> yeah they heard that i did and then a gentleman that was behind me behind the accident who was also a pastor, walked up to the bridge. Uh, We saw an interview with him, Dick Onorecker. He uh, had asked to pray for any of the victims, and he was told that they were all all right. There were four other victims. And they said, well, the man in the red car is dead. That was me. Mm. And God spoke to him and said, pray for the man in the red car. Well, he never thought about praying for a dead man, but he knew that God was speaking to him. So he got permission to crawl in the car, put his hand on my right shoulder, and he began to pray for me and sing hymns 90 minutes after that started he's singing what a friend we have in Jesus and I start singing it with him and he got out of the car really fast at that yeah. point and yeah. went over and said something to the effect the dead man is singing
4: <laughs> yeah
20: and uh, <laughs> yeah they had he had to convince them to do it so I came back to 13 months in a hospital bed 34 major surgeries um, oh,
4: really? life
20: and death on a day-to-day basis I had to have external fixators placed to my arm and leg. It was a very, very long, difficult. Why didn't
4: you get healed? Why did I get healed? Why didn't you?
20: Well, I'm healed to the extent that people don't believe I can still walk because I lost my leg, four inches of it, and they had to reattach it. And this arm was in the back seat of the car, oh. so I'm healed that way. Yeah. Um, but you know what? I, I feel more healed and alive than I ever was before. I don't recommend getting hit by a truck so you can have that experience. But Jesus said, we we can have life abundantly here. You know,
4: we, we had a question a couple of days ago. You know, the Bible says it's appointed point a man wants to die right. and after they judge But what, how, what what were you doing? I mean, you... I
20: don't think I'm going to die again. Oh, I think Jesus will come back before I die. Yeah? yeah, yeah. So I think that I will have died once. So that was the time. I think that was it. Okay. Yeah, and I'm, I'm going back. I'm not coming back. <laughs> it's good to be here with you but I'd rather be there you know if you've well, been there you, would. you want to stay there it's just the most real place of all Smells, yes Perfect. aromas that were sweet and luxurious um, I can still kind of remember what they smelled like and and the sounds that I've heard there and the people that I embraced while I was there and the people my grandfather extended his arms and said welcome home Donnie uh, You saw
4: your grandfather.
20: I did. Yeah, I was with him when he died, and he was there to greet me when
4: I did. Praise God. The cycle was complete. Don Piper, ladies and gentlemen, this book is something. He's got two books. One's called Getting to Heaven, which is more important, perhaps, than what it's like once you get there. (laughs) And he's got one called 90 Minutes in Heaven that relates his experiences. They're available wherever books are sold. Don, it's inspiring, brother, to see you. And thank God. Well, bigger. Bigger. Yeah, and I'll, I'll see you there <laughs> together brother
20: 48%
9: of the Muslims in the United States of America believe that they are Muslim first they are Americans second our purpose is to change this culture because they are infidel and what they are doing is not pleasing to Allah and we are the soldier of Allah who will make them do it
3: that tonight we come as an advocate for our brother. We thank you for the strength you have given him thus far. And we pray that you touch his body even now. See him through this time of sickness. Because you're God all by yourself. You can do anything you choose to So we pray for him and his family right now. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, and amen. In the book of St. John's Gospel, chapter 7, and also I would like to include a little reading from chapter 19. In St. John, chapter 7, verse 37 says, In the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me, as the scripture hath said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. Can I stop right there for a minute? You know I got married, you know. (laughs) I haven't said this in so long, I keep forgetting my wife. Sister Loretta Jones and I can go home tonight now (laughs) but this page he of the spirit which they that believe on him should receive for the Holy Ghost was not yet given because Jesus was not yet Glorified. Very significant. In St. John chapter 19, 34, but one of the soldiers with a spear pierced his side. And when you pierced the side, out of that side forthwith came there out blood and water, which means that he pierced the pericardial sac. And blood and water came out. And he that saw it bear record. And his record is true. And he that knoweth that he saith truth. That he might believe. I want you to look at somebody. Like you're angry with them. Just like you're mad at them. Just look at them seriously. And say it will happen. Oh, y'all ain't mad. It will happen by the Spirit. Look at somebody else and say, if you want to have power, you've got to have pain. You've got to have pain. The late Bishop Norman L. Wagner had a wonderful series of conferences, I'm sure Brantley and Wayne remembers, Pentecost in perspective. And it is true then from a preliminary observation that there is a distinct relationship between the cross and the Holy Ghost, as indicated by the text, is it all right to preach Jesus? I hear so much humanism today. Everybody's preaching Norman Vincent Peale and the human ability to control the environment by his or her own his or her own cognitive energy and intellectuality and somehow Jesus has been left out and you almost have to apologize to preach Jesus. I should talk a little bit about the social justice part of the PAW that we're putting together. I should talk about that, but I'm going to talk about Jesus, I'm sorry Tiffany, I forgot. Yeah with all the mass shootings and all the things going on, we've got to get ourselves involved in what's going on in our community. Amen. You can't be so, you know, we may differ on how to get to heaven, but we ought to know how to live down here. And we're in trouble if they ignore this constitution and start shooting our boys in the back and everybody's pro-life until people are born. Yeah, there's a difference between being pro-abortion and pro-life, or anti-abortion and pro-life. Don't tell me you're pro-life and shooting people in the back when they're running from you. All right, all right. And so we've got a ministry going here that we want everybody to be a part of, and that is let's get involved with our social system. Let's get involved with voting and doing the right thing. Uh, Anyhow... All right, I I sort of snuck that in there too, so uh, let me go back to, to work. It is critical to understand then that there, in a more theological sense, we have to understand the relationship between theology, Christology, and pneumatology. There's absolutely no way for us to deal with this particular text and not understand that theology, Christology, and pneumatology are intricately interweaving. You have to understand that in Pentecost we can only see it through Calvary. You can't get to the upper room unless you go through Golgotha. So what we have essentially then in understanding Jesus Christ is what we have is the pain of harnessing and releasing power. So the first question has to be out of whose belly? When Jesus says focusing on me, believing on me, the question is out of whose belly shall flow the rivers of water? If you look at it from the the Hebrew understanding in John is writing he's writing what is called Hebrew parallelism. It's really Hebrew poetry it's Semitic parallelism and he understands it well because he is used to the poets in Israel presenting Different words, but the same thought. To give an example, I'll go to Proverbs, maybe 2.22, where it says distinctly, But the wicked shall be cut off from the earth. We're going to cut the wicked off from the earth. Then he continues in the next uh, paragraph. And he, what he says then is, And the transgressors shall be rooted out of it. Now notice. Semitic parallelism. Using different words but saying the same thing. Let me take a little further. You see. The upright shall dwell in the land and the perfect shall remain in it. So what we have is the upright. And the word in the next paragraph or the next sentence is not upright, but perfect. So we've got upright in juxtaposition to perfect. We've got dwell in juxtaposition to remain. So he's using different words, but he's saying the same thing. When we look there in the particular text that we have... Jesus is saying, if someone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Now the water couldn't be flowing from the belly of the one who thirsts. Uh, All right, stay with me. And I can hoop anytime. Mm -hmm. Anytime. He's ready already. He who believes, we go from the West-Eastern, which is a traditional, it says, he who believes in me, comma, just as the scripture says, comma, rivers of living water will flow from his belly. So from the Eastern translation, which is a traditional translation, we would believe that the water would flow out of the belly of the believer. If we take the Western translation, which is more Christological in its implication, then what we have then, if someone thirsts, let him come to me. Let him drink who believes in me, period. Just as the scriptures said, rivers of living water will flow from his belly. To understand it then from the Christological translation is to understand then that Jesus is the source of the water. It is not coming out of a thirsty belly coming out of a full belly. The illusion then is, is very careful now because now if I were to take the syllogistic, not syllogistic, but take the Semitic parallelism, what we would find then is if someone thirsts, let him drink. Yes. Let him come to me who believes in me. There is no drinking if you don't believe because you have to believe in me to penetrate the source out of which the power will flow. So then of course John in verse 34 of of chapter 19 he provides what I call an, an unavoidable illusion. To what is predicted. In these verses. When he. Pricked him. Or pierced him in his side. And I just want to tell the devil. You better watch that spare. You keep on poking. And something's going to come out of there. That you cannot deal with. And that he saw it and he bear record and his record is true that we might believe in revelations 22 he depicts the river of life flowing from the throne of god and from the land and if you know this the text then is the source of the spiritual citation from an old testament relationship and I searched through a few of the texts and in Ezekiel 4 and 11, the spirit and the living water now become eschatological images. It's not frightening because everything in the Old Testament is eschatologically brought to truth in the New Testament. So the images of the Old Testament are brought to truth in the New Testament. And the images of the New Testament, we are living them right now. Numbers chapter 20, verse 8. He says, take the rod and gather thou the assembly together. Thou and Aaron thy brother. And speak ye unto the rock before their eyes. Speak ye unto this rock. And it shall give forth his water. And thou shalt bring forth to them water of the rock. So shalt give the congregation and their beasts drink. Exodus is often used by John. And here it is. Capped off by Paul. Because here's what Paul does. He identifies Christ with the rock. For they drank from the supernatural rock which followed them. And the rock was Christ. Now you and I know that John, that Moses struck the rock when he should have spoken to the rock. And he fell in trouble with God because of what he did. And the reason he fell in trouble was because he was not the one who was supposed to strike the rock. He struck the rock at the wrong time and he was not designated to strike the rock because the only one who could have struck the rock was the one who put the water in the rock and the one who put the water in the rock is the water of the rock And and he alone has the right to strike the rock and he strikes the rock at the right time So not only is timing essential, but who is doing the operation is essential. And if you step out of your place, you're going to get in trouble with the God who holds certain things to himself. Can I preach like a Philip? you got to leave folk alone in the church because you don't know who's right and who's wrong. So he says, don't you burn your mouth on anybody and start pulling up wheat." with cares. let them all grow together because he knows who is what they say they are oh you got a lot of folk you go to heaven you ain't gonna see uh, where is brother so-and-so he ain't here uh, what are you doing here uh, anyway Jesus then is a rock from the midst of which living water will flow Now notice to this point, John is concerned about us believing. He's not concerned particularly about what we know. He's only concerned at this point about what we believe. And then he's going to move us very gradually into what we know. And the reason is Jesus is never recognized He is always revealed. Your cognitive energy, your intellectuality, your creativity does not bring Jesus into your sphere. It doesn't matter whether you graduated from Harvard or you went to Yale. It doesn't matter what theological school you went to. Your intellect does not give you any inroads as it relates to knowing who Jesus is. Uh, uh, how might I do that? Uh, there were two boys in separate mother's wombs. Uh, yes, there was one in his mother uh, Mary's womb and there was another boy in his mother's Elizabeth's womb. Now, the two boys were separated by two thin layers of cutaneous tissue. Now, Jesus was not reading The Jerusalem Tribune while he was in his mother's womb. He was unconscious in his mother's womb and John was unconscious in his mother's womb. When the two mothers came together the Bible said that the child John leapt in his mother's womb. The unconscious John leapt in his mother's womb and received the Holy Spirit while he was unconscious. The unconscious John had a revelation of who Jesus is. Yet years later the conscious John sent message to Jesus and asked are you the one or should we look for another? The unconscious John, the non-intellectual John, the non-cognitive John knew who Jesus is, yet the conscious John was trying to figure him out. Never let your mind talk you out of your revelation. It's a critical piece now that no matter how smart you are, that does not bring any knowledge of Jesus Christ. He has to be revealed. So John makes his book intensely Christological. And if one recognizes this divine identity, then it's here that faith emerges. These things were written that ye might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and believing you might have life through His name. So the revelation of God in Christ is intimately related to salvation. This is why Jesus says you gotta believe on me, the Messiah, as the scripture had so in believing in Christ, you have to believe his deity. Because only then out of his belly shall flow rivers, releasing God to man. Releasing his spirit through his experience on the cross. So God now in Christ, all sin is an offense against God. Therefore, forgiveness is God's prerogative and God's prerogative alone. Man cannot redeem mankind, only God can. Therefore, if Jesus were only human, we are yet dead in our sins, We are yet cut off from God without hope in the world or help in the age to come. Because no man can be the savior of man. It is equally certain that if Jesus, yes, was God before he became man, then the God who manifested himself in human flesh could save man. We can only trust in Christ, in confidence and security, if we believe beyond the question that he is God, and therefore he is able to save. Uh, I want to quote Rimmer, and Rimmer puts it like this. Rimmer says, the fact of deity in our Savior is prerequisite for our salvation. That's why John begins, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The uniqueness of Jesus is the Word became flesh. So that means His origin and His birth are not one and the same as yours and mine. The opening then brings and makes the virgin birth more credible. The fact of the virgin birth becomes the only explanation for the appearance of God with the nature of Jesus Christ. Here is why. There are two forms of life associated with the nature of Jesus. There is human life, which is creature life, which is imparted life this life is derived from vital ancestry you can trace it all the way from Adam until you get to Jesus all you got to do is explore through a biological maze and you come to the primal creation which would be Adam so what do we have here we have creator life we have inherent life for that inherent life has no beginning so when you're dealing with Jesus you have created life and you have inherent life so the father hath life inherent so hath he given to the son to have life inherent the inherent life is life that's not created the created life is a life that you can trace through the maze of a biological situation and come to who was first in that line. So now we go to Mendel's Law. Are you still with me? Oh, I can holler any time. I just got to have something to holler about. And here it goes. Mendel says every individual is the sum total of the characteristics whether recessive or dominant in its two immediate progenitors unquote plainly what Mendel is saying that there is nothing in an in any individual that was not in the father and mother of that person everything in the mother and the father is in the offspring. So let's work it out. If Jesus' mother and father were human, he would inherit all human characteristics. We would have a simple equation. Man plus man equals man. Let's reverse it. If his mother is deity and his father is deity, then what we've got now is God Plus God equals God. Now the problem with that is it would be too inaccessible to you and I. For the problem of salvation is to bridge the unfathomable abyss that separates a holy God from an unclean sinner. So that means I gotta go to the Bible. And what I get from the Bible is that Jesus is conceived in the womb of his virgin mother who is created life. Uh Uh-huh. He is, she is created life. And God being his father now puts inherent life in the created life. You better watch that spare devil. You better watch that spare. You're going to go poking around and get yourself in serious trouble. You better watch how you stick him, because if you stick him, you're going to let something out that you don't want to deal with that's going to wipe you out if you let that power out. Jesus talks to us and now what we end up with is man plus God equals the man God, Christ Jesus. Now we are in a situation where Jesus declares, I am the bread which came down from heaven. Uh, If only man eat my flesh and drink my blood, if he doesn't do that, he has no part of me. Now it's interesting that the disciples were with him for all the time, and the disciples didn't have a very good record, if you follow me. Uh, Can I just digress for a minute to talk about their record. The disciples had a proclivity to not want Jesus to do his work they didn't want him to talk to the woman at the well they held out their little fishes and loaves and uh, they didn't really want him to take their food and feed the 5,000 or feed the 4,000 they didn't want him to go to Zacchaeus' house and they hated the fact that he had young people around him, Jesus had to say "Suffer!" the little children to come unto me. Oh yes, oh yes. They had the Sourishan woman and they said send her away because she hollereth after us. Ain't nobody want to see you. We came to see Jesus. You can't heal my daughter. We come to see Jesus. The disciples were anti-everything it seems and the question now becomes what were they busy doing? They don't want him to see the woman at the well. They don't want him to deal with the Syrophoenician woman. They don't want the young people to come around. They. Didn't want to feed the 4,000. Didn't want to feed the 5. Didn't want him to go to Zacchaeus' house. My God, what are they doing? They're sitting around in a little group and they're arguing who is the greatest among us. Uh, I feel like preaching here. Sound a little apostolic to me. Uh-huh, uh-huh Uh uh-huh so Jesus now becomes then that mediator between God and man and he can only be that mediator because he has one foot in the problem and he has the other foot in the solution one of the problems we have is we fail to associate can I say that again you cannot influence who you don't associate with. And you have the power to associate in order to influence. And you can't allow people who are stuck upon their own personal conviction and personal Christianity that have nothing to do with Jesus Christ to stop you from associating in order to influence. You can't touch me with your doctrine until I realize that you love me you can't influence me with your thoughts if you don't care about me you have to care about me for me to care about your thoughts you can't impose your thoughts in a place of animus you have to remove the animosity in order to impose your thought I have to trust you to believe you you have to operate in a way that makes me trust you to walk with you you just can't impose your super holiness on me and expect me to follow if you get off your high horse and act like you used to be where I am then I might come with you uh, I might as well have a little church here. Uh, have I told you to touch your neighbor yet? Yeah, it is coming. It is coming. Hold on. Uh, you see, again Jesus now becomes, he says to his disciples, uh, you got to eat my flesh and drink my blood. And they, they're looking at one another. I don't know. There's no cannibalism here. I don't know what he's talking about. He says to them, does this also offend you? And of course it offends us. What do you think. We are very sophisticated, civilized folk, and we don't do things like that. Uh, Jesus says, what if you see the Son of Man ascend from whence he came? I guess there goes the lunch, there goes the food, there it's leaving us. He said, let me tell you something. The flesh profiteth nothing. The words that I speak, they are spirit and they our life but the word was with God and the word was God so when he speaks the word he's speaking God you can't have God's word and not have God because God is his word and his word is God I feel like shouting here so what we've got now is the panoply of flesh wrapped over inherent power and in order to release that you better watch that spare you better watch that cross you better watch what you're doing because if you think you got him you got something coming your way maybe just maybe when you said come down from the cross oh i feel like preaching pat i'm almost there Uh, i feel like giving god some glory Because what you've got wrapped up here is the gift and the giver. Because Jesus Christ becomes the most eloquent word to man. He becomes God's last word to man. He becomes God's greatest gift gift to man. And here and here alone do you have the gift and the giver inextricably tied together. You can't enjoy the gift and not have the giver. You see, many of us enjoy the gifts of God, but we don't serve the giver. (laughs) We have a lot of fun with his gifts. Ah, I wonder, are you with somebody, you'll take their gifts, but... That you really don't want to deal with them. Yeah, just keep on shopping for me and I'll be happy. I don't want you, but I'm not gonna turn down what you give. Uh, don't work like that with God. If you receive Jesus, you already have God. And that's why every now and then he proves you because he can challenge you with his gifts. He blessed Adam so well that Adam chose the woman over God, Uh, uh, should I say that again, he gave, he said, woman, and before you know it, he was with the woman over God. God, He went with her instead of going with God. God is the only one I know that can gift you so well that you can take the gift and it challenges your relationship with God. Are you still holding out on me? Well, who made Lucifer? God made Lucifer. God made Lucifer so beautiful, Lucifer looked at himself and thought he was greater than God. Uh, I feel like preaching now I'm almost there so now he says you have to believe on me as the scripture had said when he said that he was not speaking about the new testament he was speaking about the old testament because that was the scripture they had so every time God dealt with man in the old testament he was dealing with Jesus because he said you gotta believe on me as the scripture had said and here we find the use of the word Jehovah it was Jehovah in Genesis chapter 2 that did the provision for the planet it was Genesis in Genesis 2 through 7 that created everything it was Jehovah who announced the Redeemer. It was Jehovah who accepted the offering of Abel and rejected the offering of Cain. It was Jehovah who arranged to save the remnant who were in the flood. It was Jehovah who demanded the sacrificial lamb's blood on the doorpost. It was Jehovah who on Mount Sinai gave the code. There is only one mediator between man and God, and that is the man Christ Jesus. And then he created situations in order to give revelation of who he is, because God has to control the situation in order to give the revelation. So sometimes you're going through a situation, and it's God just setting you up for a revelation. He created the situation for revelation and we called it Jehovah Jireh. He created a situation for revelation and we called it Jehovah Sikanu. He created a situation for revelation and we call it Jehovah Rophika. He created a situation for revelation and we call it Jehovah Nisi. He created a situation for revelation and we call it Jehovah. Now, I don't know what situation he's creating in your life, but I'm sure at the end of it, you can call it Jesus. Because Jesus is the one name that covers every Jehovahistic name, believe on me, as the scripture had said i'm almost there pat give me a little note uh-huh thank you that's why the voice of isaiah says the voice of one crieth prepare ye the wilderness in the wilderness the way of jehovah jehovah was expected to visit the earth that's why matthew 3 and 3 for this is he that was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah saying the voice of one crying in the wilderness make ready the way of the Lord make his path straight that's why John declared for I come down from heaven not to do my own will but the will of him that sent me Philip cried Lord show us the father and it suffice us Jesus said unto him have I been so long with you and thou hast not known me Philip he that hath seen me had seen the father how sayeth thou unto me show us a father believe on me as the scripture hath said and now you become a candidate for power but that power has to be released at Calvary's cross so through the pain of Calvary physical and material life, released inherent life and that's why Jesus told them the hour is come when the son of man should be glorified and he says except a grain of wheat a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it remaineth alone but if it dies it bringeth forth much fruit, I feel like preaching, Ah, I feel like lifting him up we're almost there give somebody a high five for the first time and say something has to die for everything to live ah, but the pain can I talk about pain for a minute when we talk about pain we talk about physical pain that we receive and the pain that he received we'll talk about that but I want you to think a little bit further when you talk about pain when you deal with pain let's put it this way and I think we can get it here I am an intellectual cognitive thinking human being and I am supposed to save roaches now I know who I am and I'm conscious of who I am and I have all of the faculties of a human being I love the expression of a human being I love the mobility of a human being now think about the psychological debilitation that I would have to deal with if in order to save roaches I had to be put in a roaches body with everything that I am you gotta put me in a roaches body in order to save roaches so while I am in this body I'm still feeling the power of who I am but I'm stuck in a roach's body in order to save roaches. Now, God and I are so far different than me and a roach. I want you to understand. So give me just a minute here. Now, take divine omnipresence and limit it to a human body with human dimensions and that pain. I wish somebody would understand it. Tap your neighbor and say I'm going to tell you what pain is pain is when you can't be all that you are unless you got a purpose in mind let's go a little bit further take divine omniscience and restrict it by the finitude of the human brain that's pain take divine eternalness and bound it by the periphery of time that's pain if you Take everything that God is in his immutability and put him in a physical body of vicissitudinous changes then that's pain you wrap him up in human flesh when he is God all by himself and you reduce him to the point, I wish I could preach this thing you get him to the point where you put him up on Gethsemane and his physical body is fighting again His divine omniscience. So what he ends up with is hemohydrosis. His sweat becomes blood. And that's pain. He spends a sleepless night while tried by inferior men. Don't you know what I could do to you? And you got the nerve to be trying me. And I'm your God. And I've got to subject myself to listen to your ignorance self talk about things you don't know anything about and that's pain he was spat on he was slapped and beaten by the Jewish guard and that's not only physical pain but it's pain that's psychologically debilitating he was marched five miles I feel like preaching Pat I feel like having little church I'm most there give somebody a high five and tell him I'll tell you what pain is he spent a hungry sleepless thirsty night he was already bloody and then they whipped him until his skin and muscles were strips of protoplasm uh, bloody protoplasm at that he had a crown of thorns a purple crown uh, they put a purple robe on him wooden scepter, uh, and that was pain they mocked and jeered him and that was psychological pain he was weak in shock dehydrated he was bloody he had chills from blood loss uh, yet marched to Calvary with 75 pounds on his neck He didn't have the whole cross. He just had the cross member, which is a patty bullion, and that weighed 75 pounds. They saw him struggling up the hill, and they sent Simon to help him, not because they wanted to ease his pain, but they wanted him to hurry up because the Sabbath was coming. And yet still, we've got God wrapped up in all of that. Oh my God they laid him on an old rugged cross they opened his arms up and they nailed him through the carpal and the radius bone and cut the median, median nerve Yeah, and his hand closed like a grip and when his hand closed like a claw he said to us and no man shall pluck them out of my hand we might as well have church Pat and no man because I've been caught in a death grip uh, and no man can pry his hands open to get me out of his hands oh I feel like shouting in here the greatest miracle that Jesus ever wrought was when he did not come down from the cross when he healed the Syrophoenician that was one woman when he healed a woman with the issue of blood one woman when he cleansed the lepers, just nine or ten of them. When he fed 5,000, only 5,000. But when he stood on the cross, in spite of who he was, he saved every single person who will believe on him. I feel like lifting him up, he died to release it. You better watch that spare devil, you better watch what you're doing, because if you're full Around and kill his body, you're going to release more power than you ever thought was available. If you strip away his body, you're going to let the Holy Ghost out of there because the Holy Ghost was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. And if you mess with his body and tear him apart, I feel the devil got a picture of what was happening when he said if thou be the son of God come down from the cross too late too late too late you got set up give some money high-five and the neighbor the devil got set up he thought he was running things but it was God who was in control and it was God who had an appointment with Jesus on Calvary because he knew that if he broke his body down it would release the power that would cover the earth I feel like shouting in here give somebody high five for the third time and say "Name." Earth. when they were tearing his body down they were building my body up when they were tearing him down they were healing my body when they were tearing him down they were controlling my mind I will not lose my mind cause I'm gonna need my mind for the next thing that God has for me you don't lose your mind over the man that's leaving cause you're gonna need your mind for the next one coming don't lose your mind over losing your job cause you're gonna need your mind for the business you should have started A long time ago Don't lose your mind Over the house that burned down Cause you're gonna need your mind To regulate The next one coming Don't lose your mind For anybody Cause when he died on the cross He marched around your mind I will keep them In perfect peace Whose mind is stayed on me because I am your deliverer, not Donald Trump, but Jesus is your deliverer. Thank you, Wagner, wherever you are, Jesus will bring you out all right, because the power has been released. Give somebody money high five and say, neighbor, the power has been released, Jesus has been glorified. That's why I rose to tell the Pentecostal assemblies of the world you ain't got to back up to nobody. You ain't got to take a back seat to any situation because I am filled with the power of the Holy Ghost. I don't have to back up to any demon because I the power of the Holy Ghost. I don't have to run from any enemy, because if you got an enemy, he's getting ready to release the power that is in you. They left you for dead, but you're still here. They left you for dead, but you rose up again, and you told the world, I'm still here sing up the name of my God. I'm getting ready to quit, but that's not how. The story ended. Three days later, he rose from the grave and he said, all
5: power
3: in heaven and earth is in my hands." Give somebody high five for the second to the last time. And to neighbor, don't run from your pain. It's going to release
1: your power. Let them
3: talk. Let them despise you. Let them criticize. Let them walk on you. All they're going to do is let the power of the
1: Holy Ghost Get out of my house Get out 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 Because the power
3: Has been released is in my house the power is on your cue
1: somebody ought to holler i got the power i got the power i got the power My joy All that's good and perfect Comes from you You're the heart Of my contentment For all I do For Jesus you're the center of my joy. When I've lost my direction, you're the compass for my way. You're yeah, the fire at night with nights of love and cold. The laughter the shadows of my feet free above the night your hand is there to her
21: noah jones power and pain really that that was the topic in order to have power you got to go through some pain in order for you to be strong in your faith in god you got to go through some things yeah and it, it a lot of times it's very painful yeah yeah uh Someone to say something to you real ugly And it cuts you to the core It could be a child It could be a husband, a wife, a family member That's pain But you got to endure Because you never said nothing ugly Back to them You Yet Held yourself together And said something kind Because I believe it was King Solomon who said A kind answer turn away wrath off answer, turns away wrath. So many times we have to endure pain, but yet it makes us become powerful because the next time this happens, it may not cause pain because you gain power and you can stand strong through it and yet love them and and be in a sincere place of love. And so we thank God this morning for his word. We thank him for good gospel music. I was supposed to have been gone this morning between 5.30 and 6. But I have packages coming after uh, 10. So I have to be here to get those packages. And right after I receive those, I plan on getting on the road and heading home. And everything is packed. Everything is ready to go. Did a bunch of cooking. And uh, because while I'm down there, I get to see my grandchildren and it's certain things they like. So I made it, baked it, cooked it, whatever, and I'll be able to deliver it to them. And uh, because when they heard I was coming, they got too excited because they know when I come, I'm bringing something good. Yeah, to them, something uh, that they like to eat. And uh, brownies is one of them. And... um, no Well greens, no seawall greens, uh, but uh, brownies and banana nut bread, uh, homemade macaroni baked in the oven. Not the creamy runny stuff. I don't like that kind. But uh, I thank God for bringing me through this week. It was a little rough, I'm telling you the truth, but God brought me through. And uh, yesterday I was able to do a little bit. Of what I used to do I can't do as much But I did a little bit of what I used to do Cooking, cleaning, laundry Yeah, sitting around You know, talking with the person That kind of thing Used to do it for children, sick people And widowers Yeah, and so God uh, Is just faithful And as I continue to work on getting that weight off And it's not coming off very fast Because they told me Don't bring it off too fast Because you will gain it back. So just take your time, eat right, and uh, let the weight just slowly fall off. And you will keep it off because now you have a good regimen of eating habits. Yeah, you're not going back to the old stuff. So I thank God. And I was able to fry chicken and I did not eat a lot of it. But I did have a piece. Yeah, I did taste it. And I have baked chicken that, you know, I can nibble on. But I thank God. I thank God everything is going as planned. And I'm grateful unto him this morning. Brother Louis was in. He said he had company, so he had to leave early. But I thank God for each and every caller, each and every caller, each and every listener, those coming through the archives and the podcast. God bless you today. God bless you. I thank God for each of you. And uh, my prayer is that God will truly bless you and uh, give you more than you could ever expect. Uncommon blessings. Uncommon miracles. Uncommon favor. There's nothing to me like that. Yeah. I'm blessed every day. We are blessed every day. We wake up. That's a blessing. We remember God. That's a blessing. We remember who we are. That is a blessing. But when God do more for us, and some things we're not expecting, even waking up in the morning, we're not really keen into expecting it because we don't really think about it. Yeah. And yesterday's gone. Tomorrow is not promised to us, but we have today. And so we're thankful for that. But when he go beyond, you know, on the job, you didn't think you'd get that supervisor's position, but he gave it to you. You didn't think nobody would call you back to work, but somebody called you and you got to go to work. Yeah, these are uncommon blessings, especially in your company said no more. We're not doing this like this no more because COVID came or whatever the reason and I'm thankful unto him. I see a lot of places that are getting ready uh, to go under. And they're saying they wasn't, you know, making the money they was making before COVID, and now they have to shut their doors. I want to also say this this morning. If you're buying meat from Walmart, try not to buy it. Try to find your Whole Food store or a local meat store that you know cut meat and all this kind of thing because I found out Walmart meat is not good at all and uh, I used to love to shop there and get meat from Walmart but I I can't do that ever again so I have to go to a place we call it Star Meat and there's a whole food store that's not too far from me that sells fresh organic uh, meat you know, no no uh crazy fed beef or chicken or whatever you're buying from over there. But I just decided myself to turn to fish. And uh I will eat shrimp and but I'm kinda pulling away from turkey and chicken and beef. Yeah, I'm pulling away from it. And uh, I heard this Muslim brother say that uh one meal a day so I want to try that my only problem is I can't eat a lot so if I eat one meal a day and I'm not eating enough that's going to be a problem too so I have to eat enough so if I eat one meal a day I'm going to have to have many more portions (laughs) than what I'm eating right now and so I thank God digestion problems are I get a little bit of sourdough bread and I make a ginger, a lemon a tea to drink. And I was using what they call monk fruit, but I'm no longer using monk fruit either. No sweetening at all. Get off the sugar altogether. But it was much more healthier than the regular sugar they told me. So that's why I was trying it. But I can never taste really the good sweetness of it. So It was like I wasn't having sugar, yeah, but I wasn't getting a taste for getting all the calories, I guess. So I want to share that this morning. And don't forget Dr. Living's uh, Good Living book. Dr. Good Living, and his book is titled Good Living. Go over there and check that book out because it's going to bless you. And if you take your time and read through it, don't just throw it to the wind because you hear him say something in the beginning and you don't like it. Or you don't think that you can do it. Whatever you think in that book that you can't do, I need you to pray. And God will bless you to get it done. Because he designed this body for certain things and we put so many foreign things. And the sugar is a foreign thing to our body, believe it or not. Creams and butters, and, yeah, it's, a, it's foreign. And the body rejects it because it it it's not used to it, so it's stored as fat. So We just gain weight. And then weight causes us to have many, many uh, health problems. And then sometimes if we're not eating the proper things, it will cause our body to have health problems. Fruits and vegetables are the best things that we could ever eat. I want to run that by you because I I want us all to last, and I want us to be able to uh, be healthy. And if we're doing something together, then, you know, we can do it. And it won't be no problems because I can't walk too far. I can't do this. I can't do that. My back, when I do something strenuous, it gives me problems. So I'm even working on that with the food. Not medication, but food cure many ailments that's wrong with us, certain foods. Yeah. Kidneys for, uh, kidney beans for the kidneys, tomatoes for the heart. Yeah, walnuts for the brain Different things we can eat That will make our body function properly Because we're not putting foreign stuff in it Yeah, just wanted to share that this morning And the studio is open If there's anyone have something they would like to say Come in this morning and share with us And again, I thank God for each one of you Each one of you I thank God for you. Good morning to your brother Anthony and Pastor David and uh, Sister Sion and Sister Irene and Sister Jerry and Sister Dr. Goodman this morning. Good morning to your minister Shonda coming at you right now. Good morning. God bless you. How are you?
13: Good morning. Happy Friday. How are you?
21: I am blessed.
13: Yes, yes. We are, we are. I just call um, because as you were saying that, I was thinking about um, the program or the show that I saw on Netflix called What the Health, and it basically said what you just said, fruits and vegetables, Um, I still uh, am eating uh, dairy right now and cheese, but I cut out all meats except fish, because I had some uh, swelling in my shoulders. It was puffed up around um, the base of my neck, my shoulder, top of my shoulder area really bad. And I remember when I did that uh, vegan eating, fruits and vegetables, and I cut out everything, the butter, the sugar, everything. No, not the sugar, the butter, anything from the cow. Long story short, um, I felt so much better. I could, uh, like, get down on the floor, pick something mm-hmm.
1: up.
13: Um, so I did it again. I'm on week two. And the swelling in my shoulders, and I've been using Tiger Balm, too, but has gone down, gone down tremendously. So the food that I eat, I know. What I put in my body affects my overall well-being. I feel better in my mood. I feel better at work. So what you're saying is so true. Now, there's some other things I need to work on, like the dairy, but when I put a piece of cheese on my tomato sandwich yesterday, my stomach started rumbling and stuff. It didn't feel right, and I said, oh, there is something with this cheese. I did have a slice this morning, but I'm – You know, I'm I'm working towards, you know, um, eliminating all of those, and I haven't yet. I may not, but I'm doing better than I was three weeks ago because I don't feel sluggish now from eating steak and hamburgers and stuff. I feel more energetic. So it is true that the food that I eat does um, have an effect in a good way or a bad way On my body So uh, with that said I just pray that everyone have a blessed weekend And that uh, The prayers are Definitely heard And that the Lord give you your heart's Desire in Jesus name And thank you Advanced Father for everything That you do and encouraging The saints Thank you ma'am. Hey, ma'am Thank you ma'am I appreciate that
21: yeah, because this is what I found out. Uh beef don't digest quickly. No meat really digests really quickly. But mainly beef and pork really is bad for you. If you eating uh huge amounts of pork and when I say huge, if you eating pork two or three times a week, that's too many times. And I found out, because I'm telling you, looking back in the scriptures in the beginning, the plants, he said for food. And so when I eat greens, say I make, and people call it a vegetable plate. When you eat greens, green beans, squash, and you may even have cabbage or another vegetable, Brussels sprouts, cauliflower, whatever. When you eat these particular foods, after you eat it, you won't be sluggish, you won't be sleepy, you will be energetic, and the next day when you wake up, you'll wake up running and jumping. Now, Minister Shonda, I do have a a little cheese, but I buy sharp, uh, extra sharp cheddar. It's shredded or in the little block. I use that. Sliced cheese, never. Number one is entirely too salty, and it may not be made from real milk. Yeah, I've seen tests where they use fake cheese and real cheese. Uh, uh-uh. uh. I stopped eating rice, so I eat cauliflower rice because rice—they were making it out of plastic. Yeah, and and we eating it, and it's clogging up us with all kind of problems. So. You just have to look at things and be careful what you're eating now because stores are like the pharmaceutical companies. They're just going to sell you something that you think is what it is when it's not. Now, when I go to the fish market, we call it, or the fish mongrel, and I get fresh fish, I know this fish is real. The eyes is clear, not red. If the fish eye is red, that's old. You don't want that. But if the eyes are nice and clear, no red, then that fish is fresh. And I didn't like baked fish. Who bakes fish is what I used to say when you could fry it and it tastes much better. And grease do make things taste good, I cannot lie. But it's better to have it baked. So I learned how to cut scores in my fish and season it and get a bigger fish, no small fish. I get the bigger fish, score it up, and, you know, with the lines, deep lines across it, just on one side. And I put my seasonings in them, my lemon slices, orange slices, lime slices, whatever I want to put in there. I want apple in there, whatever I like. And then I bake my fish. And it, it, and it does not take it very long to cook. I like putting green peppers, orange peppers, yellow peppers in there. You know, the bell peppers. And and bake that carrots. You can put that in there. I don't eat a lot of potatoes either. But I do eat potatoes, but they are starchy. So I don't eat a lot. Sugar, completely out of the question for me. Yeah. So I know that eating this way is much healthier and much better for us. Your blood sugar go, going to get normal again. Your blood pressure will get normal again. When it comes to milk, I tried almond milk. I don't like it. But I do like silk. It's made from soybeans. And for me, it have a much... A better texture and taste than almond milk. Almond milk to me is like water, some kind of milky water. I don't like that. But to each his own, according to your taste and what you like. Yeah. Make sure you get some vitamins to go along with that. A to Z, you know, that's a good one. And women, women, day A to Z, that's good. And, uh, I use, uh, I got to think of the name of the yogurt, because I don't use flavored yogurt with strawberries or banana. I don't use that. It's full of sugar, and, and a lot of it is not made from milk. But this particular one is real, and even when it says probiotics, you got to be careful with that, because if they didn't use real milk, it's no way the probiotics in it have enough to work. Yeah, it's these little enzymes, little, little powerful things that give us uh, fight the bad bacteria so the good bacteria in our bodies and our stomach can work better because your health starts with your gut, they call it, your stomach. It starts with that gut. And if the gut is clotted, if the gut is, you know, things are good and bacteria is not flowing, uh, it's not healthy, you're not having a a once a day bowel movement at least. But you want three if you can. But if you eat three meals, you should have three a day. Yeah. Whatever you eat, it should not take long to be disposed of. And that way your body is functioning right. Yeah. I have a lump in my neck. And guess what it is? It's a lump of fat. Eating healthy makes it shrink.
13: Yeah, I hear
21: about Minister Shana said her fat on her neck or shoulder. Yeah, and believe it or not it can turn cancerous. So I'm working get. I, I had it for years and before I got saved, I was at a bar and in Orlando and a doctor come in and a friend of mine said, that's a real doctor. I said, hey, that's no real doctor. He said, yeah, he's a real doctor. Watch this. Hey, doc. He said, hey, how you doing? He said, look here a minute. My friend got a lump on her neck. And she kind of concerned to go have a biopsy done on it. Can you check that out? He said, yeah, you mind? I said, no. He felt around on it and everything. He said, it's a lump of fat. He said, and if you don't do something about it, it's just going to continue to grow. You might remove it and it comes back. He said, because sometimes people get a lump of fat in their arm, in their thigh, on their side, you know, the side of their stomach. He said that fat can come from anywhere and and be anywhere on your body. Well, I took his advice. I said, Okay, yeah, all right, but I'm not going for no vibes, I'm going for a second opinion. Went to the doctor, doctor told me the same thing that this doctor that was in the bar told me. Yeah. But when we eat right, what's wrong with that body will start losing its flavor for your body. Bad things for your body will lose uh, the fact of wanting to be in there because it's too healthy and it can't handle healthy. It handled a bad, uh, too much sugar in the bloodstream, uh, too much, you know, salt in your diet. Now, you know, your blood pressure shoot up at the drop of a hat. and won't just go down. Yeah. So it's all kind of things. And they said, really, high blood pressure is the number one killer. And it's a silent killer. So we want to be careful. And I was thankful to the Lord that he brought this to me to bring it to you. For you shall live and not die to declare the works of the Lord. God kept me healthy in my fat stages, going through things in my body, because I should live and not die to declare his works. But guess what? I don't want to be unhealthy. Even if I get healthy today completely and die, that's okay. And older people, if you become healthy, you'll feel some of those youthful days that you used to have. Yeah, you won't be elderly. You'll be a senior citizen, but you won't be elderly. And who wants to be elderly? It's a drag. Yeah, it it thumbs it down on being elderly. Thumbs up on being a senior because you could be a senior and still get around and do for yourself. You could still be a senior and go for walks. You could still be a senior and swim. Run around with your grandchildren great-grandchildren you can do all of this but it all starts with a healthy body so we want to work on that digestiveness yeah the digestive it's important that's gut action your gut controls that whole body because what you put in it goes to your gut goes to your stomach too much sugar too much salt uh too much dairy yeah But I'm like you, I'm working on taking, and I don't eat it like I used to. I used to have cheese every single day on something. I no longer have cheese every day. Every now and then I have it. I cut the pastas out and I use plants that look like pasta. Tastes different, but it's good if you fix it right. You cook it right, oh, it tastes wonderful. I love to put okra, fresh okra and tomatoes over cauliflower rice. Oh, that's wonderful. See, even in that, I used to put it put it over the regular rice and I would use ham or bacon and smother the tomatoes and okra in the ham and bacon, put it over white rice, and if I felt like a sprinkle a little cheese on top of that. That was too much. The rice was too much because I had blood blood sugar problems. The ham or bacon was too much because I had high blood pressure problems. And to top it off with cheese, that's salty. Yeah. So I learned to eat different. And I had bought this Himalayan salt, the pink salt, because I thought it was just so cute. And I see the ladies on YouTube use on on uh use the oh it just look so cute. Uh uh-uh, uh I can't eat it. Shoot that pressure up, make me swell. Yeah. So salt is not the case. I don't even worry about Mrs. Dash uh because I, I I what I bought for Mrs. Dash I didn't like the flavor. So I went straight to garlic, onion, bell pepper and celery uh turmeric turmeric here yeah. i went to those things and that's what i season stuff up with my fish that's what i season it up i bought almond flour that i haven't tried yet uh i can take eggplant put it on a baking sheet with a little bit of avocado oil or if i if you like olive oil i don't like it heated because it takes some of the nutrients out of it but avocado oil it works good for frying so i put that over my eggplant and a little garlic or whatever i use onion if i want to whatever to season it but i love the taste of the plain eggplant and i run that off in the oven and when the eggplant gets done, in slices, I make a burger out of it. I use the eggplant for the meat, and I put all my favorite stuff, lettuce, tomatoes, pickles, whatever I like, and I make a burger. Sometimes I just like the eggplant, roast it off, and I may decide to put roasted tomatoes A better for us pour the roasted tomato sauce over it, like a spaghetti sauce, a roasted uh, spaghetti sauce with garlic and seasonings, herbs if you want to. I pour that over there, back to the cheese, shredded extra sharp cheddar or sharp cheddar. Sprinkle that over that, and I eat it. Now, once I find out another cheese, it may be the vegan cheese, I'll use that. I'm still using eggs. Minister no, so Shonda, I got to get away from the real eggs. I, I mean the eggs that they sell in the store. And I, if I find, and I know there's some farms here that I can go out and get the fresh yard eggs, bring them home, wash them good, store them in the refrigerator, use them when I get ready. But they last a long time sitting out, fresh yard eggs. Because even you got to watch things that say organic food organic fruits, organic vegetables, you got to watch all of that. And if you get it, you got to wash it a thousand times because what's on it. Yeah. So that's what we want to do. See, um, we're using a, uh it's a green vegetable and fruit juice. Like, you know how BA um, have all these juices with the fruits and vegetables mixed. That's what we're using and um I crush up ice, put it in the blender, and I pour my juice on top and I make a smoothie out of it. And I might add carrots to it. But Minister Shonda know the name of the company. Uh it's in it's in the pantry and yeah, that's why I can remember right offhand. But that's uh what we're using for juicing. And then I have a juicer. And so in the mornings I put carrots because I love a good mm, a good carrot juice from the baby carrots, I use that. And so I have a good carrot juice in the morning, and it helps with the eyes. So carrots, and then I nibble on carrots. And I like to take them and rub them on my bottom teeth, and then shred the carrot. Oh, I just like all the craziness. Sometimes I let them get good and cold in the freezer. Carrots, and I shred them with my teeth and just enjoy the flavor. Yeah, all of that. I take celery. I can make celery juice, mix it with the carrot juice, throw some pineapple in that, a little bit of uh, spinach and kale, sometimes a little bit of collard greens in that, and um, coconut water. Yeah. And so I blend that up real good and have a wonderful smoothie. It don't always taste the world's greatest, but it is healthy. And once you get used to the taste of it, it won't be a problem. But you got to give yourself a chance and get used to the taste. All that. And look, if you don't leave leave the cheese and the eggs and the butter alone, if you cut the sugar out, bread, white stuff, and just feed yourself more vegetables, even if it's your favorite vegetable. But a variety of vegetables do different things for our body. So I like a variety. I like squash, that yellow squash. Woo! And I used to fry bacon, steam the squash, fry the bacon, drain the squash because it makes its own water. Put it over in the bacon with onion and cheese and bake it off in the egg and cheese and bake it off in the oven. So fat and greasy. But now I just put my little avocado oil, my little onion, put my squash in there, sauté it up, put my egg if I want. Then I can put some cheese if I want and put it off in the oven. That's much better than what I used to do with that squash. Eggplant too. I would batter the eggplant and deep fry. Oh, my lamb chop. But now, baking it, roasting it in the oven is much better. And I could roast a whole sheet pan of vegetables, sweet potatoes, take the roasted vegetables out, and just eat them all day long. If I want to nibble on something, there it is. Go and get the cauliflower from over there. Mm -hmm. I like to steam my Brussels sprouts until they're tender. I eat them. I eat what they call edimame. It's a soybean. And they they serve it at Japanese restaurants. I just like just having them already fixed up in a bowl and just nibble all day because I'm nibbling on plants and vegetables. While well, I used to would nibble on ice cream, cake, pie,
11: cookies,
21: uh, Ritz crackers, all of that cheeses. They, they are no way good for you. So that's what I would nibble on. Bread, I couldn't get enough of it. Cornbread, dinner roll, the big fat yeast rolls, white bread, wheat bread, raisin bread. I was just a bread fanatic. Now, this morning, I had a little bit of sourdough bread. Half of that, uh, I think it was 60 calories for a a half of slice. Yeah. But I don't eat it every day. But that helped with digestion. Lemon and ginger. I put that together in some water and drank that. That helped with the digestion. If you drink it warm at night, drink it before you go to bed, the next morning you should be, see a big difference in your body. Yeah. Chamomile tea, I drank that. Go to bed. I'm sleeping good all night. Yeah. You know, when you're older now, you may get up a couple of times and go to the uh, restroom to tinkle. But then you'll come right back and fall right back off into a good rest of sleep. And that's what we need. Yeah, that's what we want. Because if not, uh, dementia, forgetting, all of that will come into play because we're not getting enough sleep. They say you don't, you don't have to sleep eight hours, just eight good hours you know, and, and then get up and be refreshed and drink water first thing to wash out whatever built up over the night or whatever and go on about my business during the day. Yeah. So we thank God this morning. Hallelujah. He's safe. Anybody else have something they would like to say? It don't have to be about the food. the healthy the diet. It could be about something else you want to share. Good morning, Sister Rita. God bless you. Yeah, it could be about something else. But I wanted to share that as often as I could remember because I know it would bless us really good. Yeah, it would bless us real good. And look, if you take your time and do this, try different things in small portions and see if you like it. Smoothies is a good way because it's good for the gut and it, the digestion don't really have to digest big hard foods. Meats and breads and all of that. But the smoothies are good. And I, I make a fruit one. I like a fruit smoothie too. That's that afternoon thing, that fruit smoothie. In the morning I have the fruits and vegetables smoothie. And the coven, that's the name of the of the uh, yogurt I use. And sister, um, Oh, what a name. So it's a Diane. She gave me that yogurt years ago, so I'm using that with my fruits and vegetables in the morning, or I just mix it with my fruits and with my best. I mean, I mix the yogurt with my fruits, put a little bit of honey and ice in that and crush it up. That uh, drink that Minister Shonda and I were using, I take that and put my little ice in it. A zoot, zoom, zoom. I can make it thicker thin, because the more ice I put in it, the thicker the piece yeah, it gets. So that is wonderful. Again, I just want to share. All right, good morning, Brother Anthony. God bless you. I'm bringing you in right
11: now. I want you to...
22: And bless, how the favor. Good morning to you, Miss Bob. Good morning to everybody listening this morning. And just want to, first of all, give God thanks for. Life, health and strength, keeping my right mind, allowing me to see another day. I thank him for the activity of my limb. And I thank him for keeping me in good health and peace in my right mind. And I just thank God for what he's doing in me, where he brought my phone, where he's taking me at. And I just thank God for my relationship with him. And I just thank God that just to be here another day. And the breath of life that he has breathed into my lungs. And uh, just bless and um, thank God for that word this morning as well. I I just like how Noah uh, Noah Jones, how he uh, bring the word, very knowledgeable, and how he, you know, break things down, you know. Uh, I I love to listen to him, you know, so, you know, of course I would get, you know, that caught my attention. Too, you know, just what he was speaking on, and I got. To, I'm, I'm glad you repeated what it was, so I can go back on my ride today and listen to him as I go down the road. But uh, I just wanted to say good morning, and that, and also uh, pray, oh, uh, travel mercy for you, Mister Barbara, as you go, that you be blessed going out, blessed coming in, and mighty name, and um, also the uh, with the food and all that good stuff, and. Uh, just knowing, you know, what to eat and what not to eat and where to go get some food from. And uh, uh, I met a, a guy that uh, had gave me a, a book, too, and he was saying he was a truck driver, an older gentleman, and he was saying that, uh, we, you know, we need to know our blood type. And, and uh, I was knowing our blood type. Uh, The book will tell you the diet that you should be on based on your blood type. So, you know, there might be some encouragement to somebody, you know, for them. You know, they go to the doctor, uh, they ask the doctor, what's the name of your, um, I mean, what's your blood type and knowing that, And then uh, being able to uh, get the book as well. I I got the book. I just got to look at my phone. Oh, uh, See, I mean, I took a screenshot of the book from him because he showed it to me. But I'll uh, um, get a chance. i uh send it to you, Miss Barbara, where you can relate a message or put it on uh, on the page. But uh, also, you know, what y'all saying, you know, about you, Mr. Shonda, and uh, you about certain things you eat. And I also myself have a lump on my shoulder. And it's been on my shoulder for a while, and just like you said, like a piece, some fat sitting right there on, on my shoulder. And it's, I noticed it about uh, I say probably about two, no, I say about three, four years ago. You know, I noticed it there, and sometimes it it ain't it was big at one point, but it has shrunk too. I noticed, you know. So I I was all I ain't never get to ask a doctor what it was, but when I do go back to the doctor, I'm gonna let them know about that and get them to. Check it out. And I kind of thought, because I used to uh, donate plasma. So I thought, you know, for me donating plasma, you know, sometimes they, they don't, the person not be new to the place, they, uh, so they might be training or whatever, you know, and they being that they knew, you know, sometimes they messed up. So I thought maybe that's where that came from, you know, might have, might have went on, but I'm glad to hear you all say that so I could be able to go get that checked out and uh just want to say good morning, and God bless everybody, and good morning to you, all uh, those listening, and y'all have a blessed and awesome weekend this weekend, and God be with you, and y'all just continue to keep me in y'all prayers, and I keep y'all in mind as well, and y'all have a blessed and awesome day today, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen, y'all go have that chat.
21: And if you got a, a lump of fat anywhere on your body, can be small. Have that checked out. And if you don't want to have a biopsy done on it, you know that's what they test it to see if it's cancerous. Then what you want to do is eat those vegetables and fruits. Cut the meat out. You don't need no t-bone. Yeah, the T stands for trouble in it. Trouble in your body. <laughs> you don't need it. Uh, look at fish. Another thing I do weekly is I eat a can of sardines. And I might eat a half a can on Monday to eat the other half on Friday. Yeah. That way I'm getting uh, acids, what it is, menial acids and, and different things that I need from fish because sardines carry all of this. Some people don't like fish, but this is good for you. And I love fish. I just had to learn how to bake it to my taste so that I could eat it because I I like it fried. Yeah, with grits. and I I even cut the grits out. Oatmeal is better for you. And you want to get the steel-cut oatmeal if you can. That's better for you. Now, I have a box of instant I've been bought, so I'm still using my instant. Until I use it up, I can't throw food in the garbage. It's just not in me. Somebody in somewhere needs some food, and I'm gonna throw it in the garbage. No, I'm gonna find a way to use it. Yeah. And so um, I bought a. I want to share this. I bought a fresh chicken. I'm not sure of because I forget these days so much going on, and I'm getting older. But I think it was a. It was by Purdue and it said it don't have any of these this stuff and the the chickens was corn-fed or whatever kind of fed. I bought that chicken and I washed it up. I cut it up. And I cut my bone out of my breast. I don't leave the bone in the breast. And I I baked, I would like to say fry, and I baked my breast, the, the bone out the breast too, and picked the little meat off of that. That's a snack. So, I seasoned this chicken with my garlic and my uh, turmeric and my onion and my black pepper. And guess what? I roasted that bad boy in the oven. Oh, my goodness, what a good chicken. I could taste the real chicken flavor because, you know, I'm from that old school. I know chicken when I taste chicken now. And the, the but the more I wash chicken, to me the fresher it tastes. I get the full taste of, but I have to clean it good. That chicken was so good. I said, you know what? I could bake this and make chicken soup. Uh huh. All of that's is chicken soup. Mm-hmm. I'm in the mood for soup today. It's easier to digest, especially the clear liquid ones, broth, beef broth, beef bone broth. I, ever since I was a girl, I knew about that. I didn't know what health it, you know, it, it did. But I knew about the beef bone broth because that's what my mom used to make soup out of. Beef bone. hmm Vegetable beef vegetable soup was made out of beef bone. It didn't have a whole lot of meat on the bone. Had a little bit, but you know how they take the the, the whatever shoulder the cow or the leg or whatever. I'm assuming. And they cut it up. They cut the bone up so it don't look like leg bone or shoulder bone. It just looked like a bunch of bones. And she would cook that down and put vegetables in it um, with bell pepper, celery, and onion. I, I didn't see her put garlic or nothing else in there. And it was the consistency that she cooked it to. Ooh, that thing would be so good. And you know back then what I wanted. A thin piece of cornbread with that, please.
11: <laughs> but today I would just eat the soup. crackers nothing, it. Yeah. So we want to get on them vegetables. Look at your favorite vegetables and, things and we get the stuff. And you can put it on a baking sheet. You can use some olive oil if you can eat salt, which in salt and pepper. Another thing you want to make sure you eat daily. Well what you can. Roast the garlic. Roast it in your oven. Take aluminum foil. Put my garlic in. Take my avocado oil or olive oil the best of and if that's a And it's going have salt. Put your salt and pepper, crack it up in pepper. Put it in the oven 15 to 10 minutes. Take it out. i eat it every break. It's good for bread health. It's good for any infection in your body, God can put it in church. Now, you can see the wrong garlic, without I've lost in it, that's even better. Because any inflammation, any infection in your body, that God is just it out. You will stop pain, all of this. I'm not telling you what to but I know. It. Because these are the things that It ain't garlic. My God's son called me. Hey, my husband said, what? Uh, you got roasted garlic over there. for this one I got a cold coming out. of it to come here. And I just told him how to do it. In fact, all of me had new roasted garlic. but was your own. That's where you can have a supply. It was near roasted garlic. I have to be extra for the breath breath. It was going to smell. If you going get my gosh. Brush them too here. Every time you think about it, pop the stuff you there go home. If you notice, uh, if you go to an Asian store, but they have a lot of good stuff in there to help you too. And if you notice, they are like strong guys, especially the older ladies in gentlemen, because they desire good stuff one is the sending to look at my piece for so, oh, what? peace there? I said, Well so I said, I've been traveling. He said, Yeah. He said, I give you this They my cat. And at night I put the cat up on the boat feet to the upper part closer to the pole area. But not under the cold. And I went to sleep when I woke up the next morning it was black and dark. But she told me some good toxins and all kinds of stuff out of your body. Don't put it back in oil and dry. Don't put it back in. I've got practice every now and then. When I feel them getting close, I don't use them all. But every now and then, I use them to see if I have all this junk and junk. Hey, I tried it about two weeks ago. And it was a little bit of, of the black oil, but not a whole lot like the usual black. We eating better. We eating better, so we want to do better. We have the mind, we have the eyes, the ears, the food. I think Dr. Livingood got me when he said, "You go to the doctor and tell them what's wrong. They know the foods that will heal you, that will." that will cut that thing out, in other words, from the roof, but they don't tell you that because they support the from a, student, a So what I need you to do is you go to a doctor and he tell you what food to to do to get doctor. You're not trying to write your prescription. I'm not trying to write your food. You. I'm trying to tell you what you eat to be a help health. And if you're not healthy, how to get that. 'Cause when you're going to the doctor nothing is wrong with you but you just told so you eye and your checker. He should tell you what to be eating so that you can remain healthy. And well, that's what Dr. William did And I appreciate it. He didn't talk, he wasn't watching on all these videos and blah, 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 blah. No, I don't want to hear all that come straight to the pit and that's what he did for me. So he won me. I watched the videos on that channel, when I came over on YouTube. We have so many coming out every day until I don't get a chance to. Or oh, I do but I'm sound I'm sorry. All right. Well, we have eight minutes, so I'm going to pray out and we're going to our last song of the morning. Thank y'all so much for the crowd. I pray that the Lord will give me traveling, mercy and gracious help. And I got get down there and I make a lot of money from the back. We get the t shirts and everything made at the money up so for any of us all guys we Yes. Sir. Father God, in the name of Jesus, we thank the Lord, for all that has have said and done here today. Father, we thank you for your grace and your mercy most of all your love. Thank you for a brand new day we've never seen before. And Father, we ask that you would take us through this week and use us in your service to bless the people. Father, remind us to witness the top of your wondrous book to others and make known your deeds everywhere we go. So somebody needs to see the life that leads to you. Bless our going out today, Father. Bless our coming in. Meet the need in our lives this day. I to the with you by your Son, Christ. Father, we thank you for giving healed We thank you for being healed and given. And Lord, we thank you that when we give you will be returning unto us much more than we've given. We thank you, Lord. We thank you. I thank you, Father, for doing things. Thank you for stretching and multiplying the finances that I need to get done what I need to get done. We give you glory, honor, I and mean, praise for it all us For all of us, Lord. Do it for all of us in the name of Jesus. We thank you. We give you glory, honor, I and mean, praise. Again, in Jesus' name, we ask that. May the Lord watch between me and you, while we are at one. and a in the name of Jesus. Both today and love and peace, share the good news of Jesus and give someone something of quality. God loves us the gift. Have a blessed day, blessed week I speak the blessings of Almighty God upon you this week in Jesus' name. 5 August the 4th. 2023 again this one. So at this time I'm going to say bye-bye and we're going to have a song in the morning. After this song, I want to come back to All right, sisters reader. Yes, how I said hello and I'm glad it's song. Honey Shalanski.
1: I need you right now, I need you right now, I need you Lordy, I need you Lordy. she was blood sick for 12 long years has. knew if she touched the hem of his garment she And he could not sleep When he heard that Jesus was passing by